Welcome, welcome to the See Me After Class podcast. I'm your host, John Graham, and you're listening to episode three. In episode one, I talked about my early school life, uh, you know, in grade school. Episode two, I talked about my post-secondary education. I just did my first bonus episode last week, uh, which goes over my first year of film school. So if you're interested in listening to that, uh, you can go to my website at imaginativelogo.com and look for the bonus episode post on my blog page, and then you can access the private SoundCloud link via Patreon if you become a backer. So if you're pledging two bucks or more, you can go ahead and download that episode as well as bonus episodes to come later on every other week. So for people kicking at least two bucks my way, they get a podcast episode every week. And for non-backing scum... The regular episodes are still available for free. Uh, it's just bi-monthly instead of weekly, so every other week, twice a month. So in this episode, I'd like to cover the rest of film school, because, you know, it's a subject that severely pisses me off, and it's topics like that that make for fun episodes. So here we go, okay? All right, let's do this. Listen up. So second year, second year of film school, what happened? I took another screenwriting course. I think there was one for every year. And each successive class would try to build on the stuff that was taught in the, in the preceding class. And like I talked about before, all the important stuff about screenwriting. Like, I, I hoped that there would be new stuff for me to soak in. But as I figured, all the really important stuff about screenwriting, I had already taught myself beforehand in producing Arby and the Chief for about five seasons at this point. I remember enjoying them less and less as they went on, though because I felt more and more the teachers were trying to get students to adhere to these stupid fucking rules. Like, you, you, you can't do flashbacks, you can't do voiceover, and I really didn't agree with that. Because the fact of the matter is, voiceovers and flashbacks can work perfectly fine. You just gotta know how to use those devices properly. And, you know, sometimes the story that you're trying to write completely warrants using those devices. Like, there's certain TV shows that you couldn't imagine existing without voiceovers like uh, Dexter or Mr. Robot or something like that. Same thing with flashbacks like that show Lost. Those teachers teaching the screenwriting classes only said those devices shouldn't be used because they were tired of seeing it misused by so many students. It's not that you can't do those things. They were just fed up reading script after script where it was just used badly. So then they decided, oh, well, nobody can use them then, which is fucking dumb. Like, it's school, right? The students should be encouraged to experiment with different devices, and if they fuck up whatever, it's school, they're here to learn. Isn't that the point? They shouldn't be teaching stuff like that in school because it's fucking wrong, and then later, when they're out of school, they have to unlearn it. What if a film school graduate who wants to be a writer gets a staff writing job on something like Mr. Robot? Is he going to walk into the writer's room and say, Oh, you know what? My teacher told me we can't do voiceover, so you know what? Sam Esmail, I think we're going to have to redesign this show from the ground up. Let's see how many seconds you keep your job after that. Two, maybe three? Stupid. Season two of that show just started, by the way, and I'm loving that, man. Awesome show. You just look at the way that show is shot, and it's so hard not to be impressed. You can tell every shot is so carefully considered and has a lot of information embedded in it. That's what Breaking Bad did. Oh, but you can't use voiceover, right? I forgot. I guess I should just stop watching. Sorry, teachers. Sorry for forgetting your stupid fucking rules. Oops. Silly me. You want to read scripts that consistently pull off voiceover and flashbacks well? Become a fucking script reader for a studio. Maybe don't teach a screenwriting class. 
where kids are trying to learn how to fucking do the thing, idiots. Jesus Christ. I think it was in my screenwriting class for this year, second year. One of the first assignments was uh, for each of the students to write a script for a short film. Like, between seven to ten pages, something like that. And I had decided to write a short film starring my Cameron Shuttersnap character from my Film and You, a filmmaking instructional video uh, submission for my first year cinematography class, which I talked about in the first bonus episode. But the format of that was closer to sketch comedy. It wasn't really a narrative. So with this script that I wrote for this class in second year, this, this was a short film, a narrative based around this character. And I explained before that I had given this character backstory. Like he was, he was a washed up porn director from Los Angeles fighting an addiction to coke. Uh, the administration of a film school selects Cameron, unaware of his background, you know, believing he's like really good at what he does, to come on board on the staff and teach students for like a week. And even though the form was different, it was still essentially the same thing of you know, taking what we had learned and turning everything on its head as like a satire on filmmaking. And so it shows him in class and he reveals himself to be a complete shithead and he's like hitting on the female students. And eventually he's called into the dean's office and confronted about his inappropriate behavior and he's given a choice, you know, to, to straighten up and fly right or get fired. And that's supposed to be like his moment of transformation, but what ends up happening is that he gets caught in the bathroom by the dean of admissions uh, snorting coke off of a toilet seat <laughs> and the story ends with him like running down the stairwell and running out of the school as the cops are pulling up to the school and he's like running away from the police and then it ends so I handed that in and then that particular class ended and I, I leave the classroom and I walk down the hall and I see the teacher behind me running down the hall to like chasing me like trying to catch up with me he's like John 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 I'm like yeah what is it He's like, uh, I read your script and uh, I found it pretty concerning. He said, it seemed like a real poison pen effort. That was his words that he used. And I was actually pretty proud of that the first time he said it. Like, you know, you say that like it's a bad thing. Come on. Because I thought it was funny. I had a hell of a good time writing that. But the teacher says he wants to talk to me in his office later on about it. Like, am I in, am I in trouble? Like, is, is, oh, sorry, are we back in grade school? Is this not post-secondary now? Can you not take a joke? I'm in trouble now for writing what I think is funny. But, you know, I didn't want to give him a hard time about it. So I was like, fine, okay, yeah, I'll see you whenever. So a day later or a couple days later, whenever he said he wanted me to, he wanted to meet with me in his office, I went over there up to the administration floor, went into his office, sat down with him, and he starts talking again about how concerning my script was to read and, you know, a poison pen effort, all this shit. And I noticed pretty quickly that he was taking it personally. Like me writing this script was an attack on him because I guess he thought the Cameron Shuttersnap character was meant to represent him. And I was satirically undermining him personally. And he even went so far as to describe my script as a cry for help. And I was fucking livid, man. Cry for help? Are you fucking kidding me? Cry for help. Yeah. <laughs> Please help me. I just want somebody to help me. That's all I ever wanted. So I immediately got the sense right there that this guy's ego was out of control. Like this guy immediately assumed that this script was an attack on him. Because the world revolves around him, obviously. 
No, sorry, the whole solar system. My bad. The universe as we know it. But I bit my tongue, as usual. I kept a lid on the anger. I'm very good at that. I'm an angry guy, but you wouldn't know it most of the time. And I calmly explained that my writing the script wasn't about attacking any individuals or the institution that I was attending. I just wrote it because it was funny to me. And I, you know, I was in film school and I was experiencing all this stuff, you know, classes, and I wanted to write about what I knew. And that's what every writer does. You draw from personal experience. And this is, this is the experience I was having right at, at that moment, attending film school. And there was a lot of things that pissed me off about it. So I wanted to write about that. I wanted to make light of it. And I assumed that later on, other students would either read it or hear it being read aloud in class and they would get a kick out of it. They would laugh. I wanted to make them laugh. That was it. I wanted to make them laugh. I wanted to make me laugh. But this guy couldn't see the humor of it. He just immediately interpreted it as a personal attack on him. Maybe in this case, it's not me that needs help. You ever think of that? Maybe you're crying for help. Crying inside. <laughs> I was so fucking pissed off. But then in, one day in class later on, the teacher selected me, like my script, to be read aloud in class. And I was stoked, right? But the way he said it, I could be wrong about this. But it's like he was calling my bluff, you know what I mean? Maybe he thought that I wasn't entirely convinced that the class would laugh along with the script. Or maybe he thought I was convinced that it was funny, but, but he just wasn't having it. He didn't think it was funny. So he thought the class wouldn't find it funny. So I got the feeling that he was only calling for my script to be read aloud in the hopes that the class wouldn't laugh and then I would see the light, you know what I mean? And be like, oh, I guess what I wrote wasn't funny. Oops, he was right all along. I guess I really am crying for help. <laughs> but you know what? It was read aloud and the class dug it. They were all cracking up by the time it was over. Because why wouldn't they? They were all experiencing the same things I was. It was all relatable humor and they got the satire of it and it went down great. I was pretty pleased about that. And then I had this other class called uh, Technical Motion Picture Arts, where all the students would get together in, like, the, the classroom was one of the studios, the, the shooting studios on the ground floor of the new building, the new campus building dedicated specifically to film production. And every class, we would have, like, a cart full of equipment to play around with, like cameras and tripods and lights. And each class, we would try to set up some little scene where, and the teacher throughout the course of setting it up and, and shooting something, whether it was just a single shot or a couple shots, would teach some kind of lesson in lighting or, you know, direction or something like that. And this teacher in particular kind of got on my nerves because after, like, this was the second year of film school. I had known this teacher for quite a while. This was a different teacher than the screenwriting one I talked about just before. I had been interacting with this guy for over a year, almost two, and he could never remember my name. And that alone, it bothered me a little bit, but not that much. It wasn't until one day I was late for class. I came in like 15 minutes late. All of the students were already there in the studio listening to whatever the lecture was, and I came in late. And I remember the teacher saw me coming in late, looked over at me, and shaked his head from left to right in a very disapproving manner, and he mouthed the word, you fucker. He didn't say it out loud, but like he clearly mouthed that in such a way that I would see it and acknowledge that he was calling me a fucker without him actually audibly saying it. And then that pissed me off. Like, it's, it's not the fact that he swore at me or called me a name. I don't give a shit. Anybody can call me whatever the fuck they want. 
every other day throughout my whole career, everybody's calling me a faggot or an autistic cuck. And it's like, whatever, call me all the names. I don't give a shit. I'll fuck it. I'll entertain it. Call me a cuck. Yeah, fine. I sit naked in the corner of my bedroom masturbating and crying while I watch my girlfriend get railed in the fucking ass by a jacked guy with a big dick. Fine. I don't give a shit. So this teacher calling me a fucker, I had a problem with because he'd never bothered to remember my name beforehand. And he's insulting me? Like, if I'm that forgettable to you, and I walk in late, just don't acknowledge me. Keep going on with the lesson. I loved it when teachers used to do that. You, like, you come in late, and then they scold you for being late, and then they blame the interruption of the lesson on you, because they have to penalize you somehow. This is your fault that I have to take the time to scold you for being late. No, you chose to scold me for being late. Don't forget, I'm paying for this time to be here, you fucking idiot. It's my time to piss away. I talked about this before. Some of these teachers, man, you gotta keep fucking reminding them. But if they take time to scold you, it's your fault. Just carry on with the lesson. But no, you gotta put it on me. So, you know, I'm wasting not only the teacher's time, but all the students' time. And all the students are gonna turn on me. Oh, why was that guy late? You ate up my precious education time. With no regard for anybody but yourself, John. Great. Yet nobody gives the teacher shit when he's 15 minutes late for class because of a fucking paper jam. Nobody says anything because that would be disrespectful. But I'm late and this guy can call me a fucker? And he can't even bother to remember my name, first of all? Yeah, students and teachers are all peers in the post-secondary environment, right? Yeah, I forgot. What a load of horse shit. Keep telling yourself that, you fucking assholes. In grade school, you would have called me Mr. Douchebag, but here, you can just call me Bob. Because we're all peers here. We're all on a first-name basis. We're all friends. Bullshit. But then shortly after that, I was talking to a teacher in his office again, and I had made a stink about that guy in particular, about, you know, him insulting me while not even bothering to remember my name. And I guess that that teacher I was talking to in his office at the time must have talked to that other teacher at some point, because after that day, that teacher always made a point of remembering my name after that. Which I appreciated. I liked the guy after that. I was like, okay, maybe this guy isn't so bad. But I remember there was another point in that technical motion picture arts class uh, where we weren't in the studio. We were in uh, a computer lab classroom. Or no, it wasn't a computer lab. It was more like a theater room. Like there was chairs with desks, but it had this massive TV on the opposing wall on like a massive sound mixing desk in the middle. And we had an assignment to do, which was uh, for each of us like to get into small groups and then together each of those groups would produce a short film the point of which was to introduce a protagonist so it only had to be like a minute or just over a minute long and the point of it was to just introduce a central character like the the reveal the reveal of a main character and you know with any school assignment that comes along you immediately think or at least i immediately thought Okay, what's the easiest, most bullshit way to do this and get a passing grade and get this shit over with? I always kind of slacked off on my film school assignments because I'm like, I don't have to impress you guys. Fuck you. I already have a body of work and a show still in progress that I'm working my ass off on. You know, I'm just here to get a passing grade. I don't give a fuck. Okay? So we had this assignment to do. And I remember as a precursor to that, you know, as an example of how to introduce a main character... He showed a clip that I actually appreciated and, you know, dissected it shot for shot, which was the opening sequence to Toy Story 2 in which Buzz Lightyear is revealed. 
Like you remember how that movie starts? It's not. It doesn't start in reality in Andy's room. It starts in the Buzz Lightyear video game that Rex the dinosaur is playing, and it shows Buzz Lightyear landing on this alien planet, and all these lethal robots appear and point their laser sights at Buzz, and then he shoots them all by firing his laser into a crystal that that fires the laser in all different directions, and and then he sneaks into Zerg's lair. Brilliant opening sequence, and it was like the perfect example, you know, a, a perfect precursor to introducing that assignment in which we had to introduce a main character in a similar manner, not, not anywhere near as elaborate, but something really simple around a minute long. So I think it was just me and my friend Matisse that were in a group, and we went for a walk along the waterfront one day, and we decided to shoot our assignments there. And so we agreed, like, I'll help you shoot yours, and then you help me shoot mine. And we'll get this over with as quickly as possible, while still getting a decent grade. Not because I cared, I just wanted to pass, that was it. So I don't have to repeat the class again. That's the last fucking thing I want to do, I just want, just want to get out of this school. And so people can leave me the fuck alone and stop giving me their letter grades, and I can just do what I've always been doing, and build on my own skills, and do my own research, and... You know, just do my own thing and not constantly be assessed. Oh, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. Fuck you. Go suck a dick. Some of this obviously is hyperbole, you know, because I'm just, I'm trying to be, I mean, I am angry, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep that anger up for the sake of the podcast because it makes for an entertaining listen. Sometimes teachers did have really good feedback and I really appreciated it, okay? But that's boring to talk about, right? So we shot our assignments, we handed them in, and uh, they were screened, they were all screened in a, one particular class of that technical motion picture arts class, one by one, and you know, after each one was finished screening, the teachers and the class would talk as a group, you know, putting their hands up one by one and offering feedback, what they thought about each video. And then my video came up, and you know, for every kind of assignment that I did that was going to be screened in front of the class, I always wanted to put a joke in it. Because, you know, there's there's part of me that loved being, like, the class clown. Like, getting a laugh out of the crowd. I loved that. It was a gr It's a great feeling. And my perspective on humor is, like, why not? Whenever there's an opportunity to incorporate humor, just do it. Throw in a joke. Laughter's good. It makes people feel good. One of the best things you can do for somebody is make them laugh. It really is the best medicine for, like, a lot of things. But a big gripe I have with the education system is that they look down on humor as something that is not academic or, you know, detrimental to academia. Like, oh, you're not taking this shit seriously if, if you're not, if you're laughing about it, you know what I mean? Which is bullshit. Some of the smartest people working today are comedians and satirists. Because part of what makes humor funny is pointing out the truth in a sea of absurdity. That doesn't really apply exactly in my case, in this case I'm describing right now. But, you know, I just thought, if there's an opportunity for a joke, why not? Oh, sorry, this is film school. All, all the students got to be, you know, dressed nicely in suit and suits and ties and never laugh and always be stroking their chins, pondering about what, what did that film mean? How did it make me feel? Because obviously film can't be taken seriously if it makes you laugh. Only if it makes you think or cry. That is the only kind of legitimate film. That's the only kind of films, those are the only kinds of films that can win Oscars, right? Never comedies or animation because they're immature. And this link between humor and immaturity bothered the shit out of me. I'm like, that, that is a poisonous way of thinking. That is not the way to look at it. But anyway, the assignment that I shot got screened 
and you know I opened my video with this nice wide shot on the water and the main character who Matisse played the role of he walked in from camera right and stopped in the center he's like very small in the frame it was a very is an extreme wide shot and then he turns and looks out into the water and then I think it was only two shots really the second shot was a close-up on his feet and then it tilts up to reveal his face and he's like you know got his his hands on his hips and he's looking at the water and he's taking a deep breath and smiling and then like as a stupid joke I had him hold up this sign that says hi mom to the camera and then he looks into the camera and waves and then it cuts to black and that's it and it got a little chuckle out of the out of the students it wasn't that funny but whatever it was something a little icebreaker and so then during that class we had our first break like halfway through each class we get a 15 minute break just to grab something to eat or drink or just you know chill out in the hallway and have a conversation and then head back inside right so while i was out in the hallway just uh, waiting for the for class to restart the teacher comes out of the classroom he finds me alone in the hallway and he confronts me and he says uh john we got to talk about your uh the assignment that you just handed in um i don't believe that it fulfills the requirements of the assignment i'm like what why you sure about that like actually the first thing i said to him was oh i don't know about that <laughs> might uh you might want to check yourself there buddy and he wasn't really making himself clear as to why he had a problem with it but i think i knew i think he just he disliked the fact that there was a joke at the end of that assignment and he took it like that other teacher he took it as a personal attack and you know the, the fact that i threw a joke into the video meant that i was disrespecting his lessons in some way you know what i mean because film school is serious and every film has to be about loss and has to be super serious so then i agreed to talk with him in his office about the assignment i'm like fuck i got every time i do an assignment i gotta i get in trouble and i gotta talk to the teacher afterwards jesus christ this is so dumb but i bit my tongue again like always, I did it. I said, fine, I'll talk to you, okay. And then a couple days later, went up, back up to the administration floor, went into his office, sat down with him, and he played my assignment back for me. It's like, you don't need to do that, man. I know what I shot. But we went over it beat by beat, and he's telling me, like, uh, you know, uh, that gag at the end, I didn't find that very funny. I, I thought it was really corny, to be honest. And I said, uh, you know, fine, maybe it's a generational thing, you know? <laughs> and he was a much older guy, so... He laughed. I think he picked up on the fact that I was kind of making a thinly veiled joke about how old he was. We talked more about the assignment, and it came down to the, the, apparently the fundamental problem that he had with that assignment that I handed in was that it didn't include a POV shot. I'm like, what? Why is that necessary? And he kept hammering this point that, you know, in order to properly introduce a, like a main character in a movie, you have to have one shot that's like a POV shot, like from his point of view, looking out to wherever he's looking at. So in my case, my main character was looking out at the water, so I should have had a POV shot where the camera is set up in the place he was standing, looking out at the water. Like, that's not a necessary thing. How often do you see that in a character introduction? Sometimes, but it's, not, it's certainly not a necessity, like this guy was making it out to be. So I said to the guy, like, you know, I don't remember seeing POV shots in uh, a lot of the other student submissions. Like, did you did you confront them as well and give them a hard time? Because, you know, I was still convinced at this point, like, you don't really have... This isn't your real problem with it. You don't like the fact that I put a joke in it. 
and you interpreted it as disrespect towards you. You took it personally, like that other guy took, the, took it personally when I submitted that script about the coke addict teacher who teaches at the school for a week. Because you got a big fucking ego and you don't like the idea of people making light of your educational prowess or whatever the fuck. But this guy put all his chips on this, this POV shot thing. Like he, he just kept insisting that that was, that was the fatal flaw of my assignment, that I didn't have that shot in it. And to support his argument, he, he called back to the fact that he used the Buzz Lightyear opening sequence in Toy Story 2 as a precursor to that assignment. And that sequence had a POV shot in it where, you know, there's, there's one shot where Buzz lands on the planet's surface and it's a POV shot from inside his helmet. And you can see the reflection of Buzz's face kind of enveloping the whole frame, you know, in kind of a fisheye perspective because the, you know, his glass helmet is curved, right? And that's transparent and Buzz is looking left and right around at the planet's surface looking for enemies. And I guess because that opening sequence example had a POV shot, that meant that all our assignments had to have POV shots. And I called him on that. I was like, okay, so you're going to be looking for that same POV shot in all the other assignments? You're not just giving me a hard time, are you? You're going to give equal treatment to everybody else, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still wasn't buying it. And I'm like kind of smiling and laughing knowing that he's, I'm just, well, not knowing, but suspecting very strongly that he's full of shit. And I can't remember if I ended up reshooting that assignment. I hope I didn't for the sake of my own self-respect, but I might have caved, you know. And uh, because we couldn't screen all the short film assignments in one day, we screened the rest of them in a class that followed. And so I showed up for that class and the rest of the films were, were shown. And at that point, he seemed to be making a much bigger deal about the POV shot and, you know, when, a, when a, an assignment didn't include it, he would make a point of pointing that out. But it contrasted very much with that, with that first class. Like, he showed that Buzz Lightyear example, but he never really talked about the POV shot after that. He never hammered the point home that that needed to be in the video for us to pass the assignment. So I was still convinced. Like, he was pissed off that I put a joke in the assignment, and then we met, into his, off we met in his office... And then we talked about the POV shot and how that was a necessity. And then he started clinging to that, I guess, to save face. And now in this next class, all of a sudden, it's a big deal. The guy couldn't just swallow his pride. No, because he's a grown-up, right? Grown-ups don't have to do that. Because they're fucking invincible and everything they do is right. I forgot. Oops. Oops. There was another point at that same class where we later on we had a bigger film assignment that we were all given and I think we were we were put into larger groups for this one and the students had to take turns using the studio space that we were reserved to get our film shot in fact it might have in in fact it might have actually been all hands on deck for every short like a a certain amount of people were chosen to make short films and each film would be shot one at a time in the studio space that was reserved for us and all the students would pitch in they would all have a a, a crew role or a cast role in that film. And some of these kids would take it so seriously, like, you know, the, the, this film would be their defining film, and it would make or break their career from that point onward. I'm like, guys, it's, this is film school. Who cares? That, like, this, you're going to forget about this shit 10 years from now, and you're going to be on other film projects that are much more meaningful and actually mean something to your career. This is nothing. But some of them took it so seriously that they wanted to repaint the entire set that we had to work with. 
and for some unearthly reason, the administration decided that the default color for the set in our studio space would be painted baby vomit fucking green. Just a shitty, unpleasant color. You know, I get it. Just for the sake of making it a pleasant color, fine. So the directors that were chosen to make films that had scripts ready, ready to be shot, were each given a budget to work with. And some of that budget was put towards the paint for repainting the set to a pleasant color. So we, we made it like a white, a kind of eggshell white. Much nicer than it was before. And so we painted it, and in the process I ruined a really nice little jacket that I had, which pissed me off. I loved wearing that thing. And, you know, I've washed it time and time again, and there's still fucking paint on it to this day. And, you know, it's white paint, right? So when I put it on, it looks like Peter North just busted a nut all over my fucking chest. And then we shot the fucking thing. And then, even though it wasn't necessary for a film, the administration wanted us to paint the set back to its original baby vomit green color. I'm like, what are you guys fucking high? It looks fine. We got to put all this effort into making it look like shit again? Just because you have a shit taste in color schemes? Why don't you fucking paint it? Get off your fat old fucking asses and paint it yourself. But no, we had a whole class block dedicated to painting it to its original shitty fucking color. And I remember confronting that same teacher about that. Because, like, I did the math. And I, like, tuition for film school, well, in well, this institution in particular, is so fucking outrageous. And you, you, you start doing the math and you boil, like, if you take the tuition for a term... You can divide that by how many classes you have in a term and find out exactly how much money a particular class block is costing you. And it boiled down to the fact that we're all paying each like at least $100 just to paint this set back to its original color. I'm like, there's no educational value here. We're paying huge amounts, huge sums of money for this one class and we're not getting any educational value out of it. And so I, conf I remember confronting this teacher one day and I'm like, was this always in the school? curriculum this particular class block reserved for painting the set and he's like yeah <laughs> so i'm like oh okay i guess that's it then you're the teacher you're the grown-up you said yeah so i can't say shit at that point i just got to do what you say and i could just tell he was lying through his fucking teeth so we went again and repainted the set like the slaves that we are and you know congratulations guys it looks like shit again phew God, what a nuisance that was. The set looking visually pleasing for a change. Uh, all right, guys. I've been ranting for quite a while. And it's about time for some fan mail, everybody. It's that time. It's that special time. It's time for fan mail. I don't know why I keep doing that voice. I think that's a little bit of Harry Plinkett in there. Hey, guys. It's time for fan mail. All right, here's a guy with a topic idea. Fear of failure. Getting bad grades equals being left to die because you're not good enough. You know what I mean. That idea they constantly beat you over the head with as a child up until your late teens. I don't know if you've experienced that, but shit, I sure have. Yeah, man, of course. I mean, they have to, to stay relevant, to stay alive, to keep the education system thriving, to keep it running. All throughout grade school, they have to hammer the idea into your head that grades are the end-all, be-all, and if you come out of high school with bad grades, you're going to die useless and alone and itchy. Out on the streets, sucking dick for money. In fact, you'll die while the dick is in your mouth. That's you. That's going to be you if you don't get good grades. But then once I got out of high school, I started pulling the wool from my eyes and realizing it wasn't a big deal. And I was like, fuck, 
I knew the truth. I suspected the truth, but I caved. I told myself I was wrong, that they were right, and I was fucking right. I knew it. Bunch of lying assholes. I fucking knew it. It's like I told you before, the primary interest of post-secondary institutions is your fucking tuition. And when push comes to shove and, you know, they don't have X amount of students for a particular year to keep, you know, to meet their bottom line, you think they're going to give a fuck about your GPA? Hmm. I wonder. And I think it's the same with post-secondary, especially in the film industry in particular. Maybe not so for other, you know, career paths. But in film school, you just, you you get by, you get the minimum grades required to just pass the classes and not have to repeat them and get the years done and get that valuable fucking degree at the end of it that makes for a fabulous fucking paperweight. Awesome, I needed a paperweight. It also makes for a fabulous rolling paper for the biggest blunt you've ever smoked in your life. To this day, I'm still tempted to do that. I got my degree up on my wall, framed, and some days I just want to smash the fucking thing. Roll it up and smoke it. <laughs> some good shit I can taste the education <clears throat> here's another one hey John I thought it would be cool if you talked about ideas you had or have for a series slash TV show with actual actors that would be pretty dope also would be cool if you talked about things you would change about a show you've seen and you didn't quite feel correct about it what would you change about the plot that you would think would make it better in your opinion. I know shows aren't perfect, but you get the idea. And if you've had an idea for a serial killer show, I know the subject seems overdone and most writers, in my opinion, turn the product into something unbelievable and messy. But I know you probably have an idea for that sort. I think it would be interesting to hear what your take at one would be. Uh, I am developing a show other than Arby and the Chief right now, but it is not a live-action project. I don't really have any live-action projects on the horizon other than a short film series based on my Cameron Shuttersnap character, because I think that would be really funny. And to, you know, take the piss out of film school and film sets and the film industry and all that and how fucking lame it is. Um, but the, but the animation project I'm working on is Polyfrost. And uh, that's something I'm super excited about. That and Arby and the Chief are my biggest projects right now. But, you know, the, the polyfrost thing, I don't even have animators lined up. Um, I'm just trying to get a script done. I'm working on a, like, I want to write it as a feature film. And I've been working on that for, like, three years now. <laughs> There's actually a funny story of me pitching my premise for polyfrost to an instructor at the school. Like, it was an assignment for us to meet with this... Uh, teach particular teacher in her office and and pitch our concepts and she would give us notes and oh boy there's a story there i'll talk to i'll talk about that maybe in the next episode god damn it that pissed me off i'm sure you'll get a kick out of that but yeah polyfrost i'm super stoked about it's about a penguin and uh at the start of the movie you see him as a kid and he gets horribly bullied in school and um during the school's bullying awareness week he like gets the shit kicked out of him by bullies but he meets this new girl, Penny Petal, who's also a penguin. Ooh. And he gets a crush on her, and uh, she teaches him to start standing up for himself. And eventually, circumstances make him fight back to defend Penny's honor when she's really embarrassed, like in front of the whole school, by this asshole who's also bullying him. He finally fights back against this guy. And from that point on, he's, like, changed. Like, he won't take any shit anymore. He's he's not going to be bullied anymore. So fast forward, like, over a decade later, 
and Polly is now a SWAT officer. And he does this exceptional job in a in a host, in an extreme hostage situation. And then we see adult Penny, 14 years later, who is now the director of field operations at uh, the ATA, the Anti-Terror Agency. There's a lot of 24 in there, heavily 24 inspired, because I'm a huge 24 fan. I think Jack Bauer's the coolest fucking guy ever. I just wanted 24 back on the air, really, in a way. You know, that, that's kind of a joke. I, I really love this, uh, this show I'm working on. And so Penny is instructed to hire uh, agents that will fall under her employ. And she discovers Polly Frost in his recent heroics, and they reunite, and she offers him a job at the ATA. And Polly takes it, but it's ambiguous whether he takes the job because he wants to fight terrorists or because he loves Penny and he wants to be close to her and protect her. Like, it's, it's not made clear in the visuals, but you kind of know. Like, Polly's doing it because he loves her. And so that's basically the start of the story is... Uh, Polly becomes a counter-terrorist agent like Jack Bauer, and he's taking instruction from the director of field operations, Penny, the girl he has a crush on, and he faces off against these incredibly scary enemies and who have these diabolical plans to wipe out the Earth. I just think it's the coolest fucking thing. I'm so excited about it. Maybe it'll... Like, I don't even know if it'll, anything will ever come of it. I'd love it. Like, I would be so... F I'd be over the moon if it was on Netflix someday. Polly Frost. Season one, now available. That's kind of the dream, but uh, we'll, we'll see if I get there or not. If I get enough money on the Patreon after the, after the Arby and the Chief is done, I want to invest in like a, a drawing tablet and, you know, get some animation software and uh, animate a portion of the Polyfrost feature. Hopefully I'll have it done by then. Upload that on YouTube and, you know, see if it gets passed around and see if people like it. I might even use the soundtrack that I've used for Arby and the Chief. I mean, God, I've made like... Almost 70 tracks for that for that show now. Back to the email I read out uh, about um, what I would change about sh other shows that I like that already exist. I'm not really that kind of person. You know, I, whenever someone else makes a show, I just really try to appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, most of the time. Usually when I have a problem with, like, film and, you know, I think things would be better if they were done a different way, it's usually in regard to film specifically and not television. Like television, television is a much safer bet when it comes to like consistent quality, I think, because the, the showrunners are the writers and they're the ones who, who run a show. And you, like in, in the studio system with feature films, you know, a feature, a feature script will be considered and then, you know, it might be script, it might be script doctored or, you know, rewritten into oblivion where it completely loses its singular voice and vision it, and it just becomes a product of uh, compromise and and you know too many chefs in the kitchen right and then a script just becomes a mess and then it gets released and it gets poorly received and everybody's wondering what the fuck happened isn't it obvious it lost its voice it lost its singular vision and, and I think film and television need that like it needs to be one person at the helm or if it's more than one person they really got to be on the same fucking page like they got to be best friends and and know each other's thoughts inside and out and 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 both have a concrete identical idea of what a story needs to be whatever the story is they're creating here's another email uh if there is one thing you can rewrite or reshoot about Arby and the Chief what would it be you know i kind of uh equate that question with you know if you if you could re if you could relive your life how would you do that differently and the answer is always i wouldn't because 
everything I did, however bad I might have messed up, it shaped me into who I am now. And I wouldn't want that omitted from my life experience because it shaped me. It's, it's made me a better person. And I think with Arby and the Chief, it's transformed so much with each season that the overall theme of the show has become less about the characters themselves and really more about me and my transformation and development as a filmmaker, you know, getting better and better as I go along. So I feel like the show as a whole now kind of represents who I am in a way. It represents my development. It represents the changes in my way of thinking as I grew up. Like the show grew up along with me and it grew up along with the viewers too. And so for that reason, I don't really look back on the show and like think, oh, I want to change that. I, I wish I'd changed that. I mean, there are there are things in the show that like, oh God, that was poorly done and makes me roll my eyes. But would I really want to change it? I don't know. I don't think so. Because it's, it's just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's part of me now. And to revise it just feels kind of wrong. Kind of like George Lucas re-releasing Star Wars and putting fucking rocks in front of R2-D2 and he's hiding from the sand people. Like, that's stupid. Just keep it like it was. Fucking CGI dinosaurs in the foreground now. Who cares? It's like you're missing the point of Star Wars. It's got nothing to do with that, really. It's about the, the core characters and the experiences they're going through. And, you know, Luke Skywalker transforming from a scruffy nerf herder into a guy that saves the world and destroys the Death Star, destroys the Empire, or, you know, or at least impedes it and, you know, saves Earth from destruction, at least in that moment. All right, we got a couple more minutes here. Uh, here's another one. Hello, John. I'm really enjoying the podcast. It's great to hear your perspective and experiences on so many topics. Thanks, dude. Um, I believe we are in a golden age of Western television in general, but especially animation. I look at shows like Gravity Falls, BoJack Horseman, Rick and Morty, and especially Steven Universe and see a great appreciation for art and writing, to put it generally. To appreciate what got us to this point, I've been planning to watch the first nine seasons of The Simpsons. What Western animated shows or movies can you suggest we look at or see what got us to this point? In your opinion, what belongs in the last golden age of animated media? I apologize for the lengthy question. As you should, Mike. I'm just kidding. Thanks, Mike. Um, Gravity Falls, that's not familiar to me. I haven't seen that. BoJack Horseman. Um, I watched the premiere for that and I didn't like it. But I, after a while, I picked it back up again and I got to say I'm really enjoying it now. I think as that show goes on, the writing gets a lot better and uh, you just get sucked into that world and, you know, all the characters speak very naturally and, you know, I found myself really going along with it. Like, oh, this is great. Um, Rick and Morty. I haven't watched all of it yet, but uh, that's a fabulous show. Great sci-fi story. It's actually a very intelligent show, I think. Steven Universe I haven't seen yet. Uh, the Simpsons is good, but uh, yeah, I believe the, f the first 12 seasons of that show are like considered really good and then Simpsons kind of fell in quality after that because you know you you go on for so long and then you just start fucking running out of ideas you know 12 seasons is a hell of a lot and what season is the Simpsons on now like 60 you know what cartoon I really liked Clone High that is a dope fucking cartoon really funny writing great characters and actually builded to a really intense and poignant uh ending it was actually considerably emotional and I'm not sure how many people know this, but the guys who made that show were Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. That's like one of the things that launched their career. 
And those are the same guys that directed the Lego movie, 21 Jump Street. I think they're doing a Spider-Man animated spinoff movie now. Like, I, I think those guys are great. But unfortunately, Clone High never made it past one season because uh, there was controversy regarding, like, what the show was about was about all these uh, historical figures that were cloned by the government. And as teenagers, they're all put into a, the same high school, Clone High. Brilliant premise. And one of the main characters was Gandhi, and he is portrayed as this, like, lovable party animal. Didn't consider him an offensive character at all, but there was some controversy after the first season aired, I guess, about the portrayal of Gandhi as this party animal. And, you know, Gandhi's not really like that, you know? Like, of course he's not like that. That's the point. That's that's like giving me shit about making Master Chief, uh, you know, a f fucking retard who's constantly calling people faggots and queers and, you know, being a homophobe and hating women. Like, that, that's the joke. It's like, I know the real Master Chief in the real Halo franchise is this kind of uh, stoic, you know, almost indestructible character. And the whole joke of me doing the reverse, like that, that was the joke, like the role reversal. Like I'm taking that iconic character and making him this little despicable person. And, you know, Ar Arbiter in my show is the voice of reason. And Chief is like the sidekick to him, whereas in the, in the Halo franchise, it's the other way around. Like, that was the comedic spin on it. And with Gandhi, I think that was the same thing. It wasn't about it wasn't about making fun of Gandhi or, you know, making people think less of Gandhi. It was about role reversal. It was a joke. But, you know, I guess people in India weren't having it. Certain people, I don't know what certain communities or whatever specifically made a stink about it. But the show went off air after that, and that was really disappointing. I love the shit out of that show. All right, guys, that marks the end of another podcast episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can check out previous episodes of the show on my SoundCloud page, uh, JohnCJG42069 or 69420. I can't remember which way around, but it's one of JohnCJG-69-420 or JohnCJG-420-69. I can't remember one of those things, but one, uh, one of those ones is my username on SoundCloud. And if you go to my SoundCloud page, you can find episodes of the podcast the regular episodes at least you can also find tracks that i've made for rb and the chief which is the show i'm currently working on you can go to my uh, youtube channel john cjg and check out the episodes there i'm currently um currently working on season eight seasons one to seven of the show are currently hosted on machinima's youtube channel but now uh, with season eight all the episodes in the new season eight are on my channel so you, you can check them out at my channel john cjg uh, my website is imaginativelogo.com uh. links to all the podcast episodes the rb and the chief episodes and all the other content that i've made throughout my career you'll find on there thanks for listening guys and i'll see you next time